Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Jesus. Today we have a guest preacher, as it is Youth Sunday, it is Dan King, our Director of Family Ministries. He will be preaching today. And just to let you know, he is also, if you, have, if you didn't know this, he is also discerning a call to the diaconate. say before I even start uh, with you Sunday following today and pursuing being that pursuit of the, the diaconate, calling the diaconate uh, to get a passage to preach on about the first deacon uh, is a pretty special honor for me, so I'll start with that. Uh, but as I get going here, I, I'd like you to start thinking about something. What does honor mean to you? And what does it look like to live an honorable life? Today's text from Acts has for a long time been one of my favorites in really all of the Bible. And there's something really special about Stephen's boldness and faith that I believe really sets the tone for how we should live. But this word honor is one that really stands out to me as I examine the, the life and the death of Stephen. <clears throat> but before we get too deep into that thought, I'm going to take a little step back and look at how we got to this place with Stephen to begin with. In Acts chapter 6, 6 starts off with this idea that while the ministry was growing, essentially it wasn't as effective as the disciples had hoped, primarily because certain needs weren't being met. So they gathered and put together a plan to get seven people of good standing, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, to take care of those needs. And Stephen was among those seven. As they, the deacons, were anointed to do their work, we see in Acts 6, verse 7, that the word of God continued to spread. The number of disciples increased greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. There's two things I notice in there. First, that having people devoted to serving in the way the deacons had an incredible impact on the ministry. It's not just about the deacons alone, and it certainly wasn't just about Stephen, but the power of the impact that happened at the table level was worth Luke mentioning part of the story. Second, the fact that a great number of priests began turning to the faith of Christ was notable. Not only does it show the power of what was happening in this new church, but it's something that would have begun to anger the other religious leaders at that time. And that's about to turn into a big deal. In a sense, Stephen was merely modeling the heart of Jesus, who taught us by washing his disciples' feet that leading is best accomplished by serving others. And then, in chapter, uh, Acts Chapter, or chapter 6, verse 8, tells us that Stephen, full of grace and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. We even heard Jesus talk about that in the Gospel reading, too, as well, right? You'll do greater things than you. I appreciate the words of Deacon Kim last week, who reminded us that there's no limit to what the Holy Spirit can do through people. 
And Stephen knew this. And we see how the work of Stephen did was possible because of his connection with the Holy Spirit. And allowing him, allowing God, to do the work that he wanted to do on people. That's why it's so important that we strive to connect with the Holy Spirit in every aspect of our lives and to listen to his voice. Recently with the youth, we had what we called a B prayer experience. What we did is we set up various prayer stations around the campus, each with a different focus to be something, to be reverent, to be loved, to be courageous, and so on. By the end of the evening, one of the youth shared with the group that I always knew I was a Christian because I come to church and youth group. But after tonight, something feels different. I also know through other conversations with that youth that there was a specific experience when they likely actually heard some things from the Holy Spirit. It was small. It was huge. And that's why I always continue to schedule events and activities like that where our youth are finding ways to, to hear from God through study of the Word and prayer, as we all should, right? Basically, we see Stephen guided and empowered by the Holy Spirit modeling the work of Jesus by going around and healing and ministering to people whatever needs they have. And then next we see that when Stephen spoke, he spoke with authority. Chapter 6, verse 10 tells us that they could not withstand the wisdom and spirit with which he spoke. So they accused him of blasphemy and twisted the truth to get him arrested and brought before the council. And when the council asked him to defend himself, he blasted back with a response outlining where God had been working throughout all of history, all to point out that they're missing God's move today. He saw these religious elite sitting around in their fancy robes Missing the point of what God was doing in people's hearts on the street level. The very people that we were all called to serve in his ministry, especially Steve as a deacon. It actually reminds me of some lyrics of one of my favorite 80s rock songs. Something to Believe In by Poison. I drive by the homeless sleeping on a cold, dark street like bodies in an open grave. Underneath the broken old neon sign, used to read Jesus saves. A mile away to live the rich folk, and I see how they're living it up. But while the poor they eat from hand to mouth, the rich are drinking from the golden cup. And it just makes me wonder why so many lose and so few win. Give me something to believe in. Give me something to believe in. If there's a Lord above, give me something to believe in. Likewise, one of my favorite authors, Wendell Berry, says that the honorable work of this world is done by people who are not so consumed with the desire for success that they forget the importance of doing what is right. This is where Stephen was. He was being wrongly accused by these religious elite, and he stood up to them in defense of the work that God was doing in the poor, the orphan, the widow, and all of the people who needed the Savior. Yet, standing before his judge on earth, he doesn't back down, knowing that what he's doing is the right thing. 
In fact, his speech even reminds me somewhat of Jesus tossing tables in the temple just weeks prior to this. Again, Stephen is just simply modeling his Lord. And then that's where we get to our reading from today, which starts with this. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen. So to set the scene, he just ruffled a bunch of feathers. And everyone was sitting there grumbling. And then, but filled with the Holy Spirit. Now there it is again. Holy Spirit. He gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And this is really significant because every other reference in the New Testament about Jesus in the heavens has him seated at the right hand of the Father. So this is the only place where Jesus is standing. So the fact that he was standing is extremely important. And so see, Stephen even told this to the people who were there. Remember, still before the council. And when he told them this, verse 57 tells us that they covered their ears and with a loud shout rushed together against him. So the fact that they covered their ears is an indication that they knew what it meant. There are several instances throughout the Old Testament where, where we see that God stands in judgment, in anger, in wrath. So essentially what they're doing is their version of, la, 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 I can't hear you, la, 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 right? Aside from that, there are typically two types of instances when royalty stands. And the one is that out of anger, and the other is out of honor. And while there certainly may have been some anger involved, as the other religious leaders would have likely expected, it was Stephen who saw this vision, not them. And this was happening before the actual stoning started happening. It wasn't until after all of this that he was dragged off to be stoned. But I'm sure Jesus knew what was happening. He would have known that his faithful servant Stephen was about to take this all the way. So it's kind of like when I'm watching a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game and they're down by six points in the final minute of a really big game and I see the long bomb get thrown. Okay? I don't know about you. I'm probably on my feet in excitement as soon as that ball leaves the hand of the quarterback, right? Probably even before it's caught. I'm probably screaming and I'm probably cheering and I'm thinking, he could go all the way, right? We're going to win this thing. I got to think that that's kind of like what Jesus was doing as he's watching. He's watching Stephen and he's about to take it all the way for the first time in his church. And there's Jesus standing in honor of what Stephen has done and what he's about to do. Then as he's being stoned, Stephen models Jesus one more time. Lord, receive my spirit. 